BBCC episode 75, my realization of the day. The origins of the mullet have been debated for decades. Was it Bowie? Was it invented by a French fashion guru named Henry Mullet? Was it the Beastie Boys that coined the name? Kiefer Sutherland even claims that it was him from the Lost Boys. Well, that's a mullet for another day, because today, it is Brian Flagg's time to shine. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Blade Blunt Cinema Club, a podcast very high on horror movies. I am your host, Mr. Devon Taylor. Sitting across from me, I have my wonderful co-host, Garrett McDowell. Devon, I'm back, but I bring terrible, unfortunate news. What unfortunate news is that? So I was on my way here, and we were on a, a podcast recently that we will no doubt discuss that we were guests on. And I mentioned one of my favorite things about driving to your apartment is that I get to pass a billboard for the hit uh, Hollywood film Moonfall. And I have horrible news. Oh, that the bulletin's gone? It's gone. The Not bulletin board, the billboard, excuse billboard. me. The billboard for the movie has been replaced by some lawyer campaign. It's just like, a, hey, did you get in a, you, you get in a truck accident? Oh, it, call, it, call me. It's yeah. not. It, was, it a, was it called Jacob it's or was it Sweet James? Jacob. If it was uh, it might was be it Sweet, Sweet James. It might be Sweet James. If it was called Jacob, I would be fine with that. But get that Sweet James BS out of here is no, what I have to say. I'm, I'm, I'm team I'm team called Jacob all 100%, day. 100%. Yeah. Uh, I would this, have no qualms with called Jacob. This is uh, this. This is for LA people only that understand. Um, there, there is um, there's a turf war between the the traffic lawyers out mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. famously, and um, yeah. and uh, apparently, and then an ambulance called Jacob makes a, an appearance. Even. Yes, it does. Yeah, the Michael Bay movie, <laughs> which is a, amazing. Yeah, it's like I mean, it can't. It's not like he's like, hey, watch where you're driving, no. you know, and then point to the screen. But there's like billboards and ads. And, and but then like that's that, yeah. that's how you know it's authentic L.A. in the movie. If exactly. you get a, if you have a call Jacob in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, friend of the show, Ash, uh, Ash uh, Crosden uh, uh, broke that when she interviewed Michael Bay, and like, yeah, that's yeah. such a great, such a great pull. But yeah, I'm 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 heartbroken, but we must go on. The show must go on. <laughs> well, the movie we're talking about today is not set in L.A. It's set in small town anywhere. Exactly. USA. Yeah, yeah. Always love that. Yes. Um, very excited for the movie we're talking about today. We're talking 1988's The Blob, mm-hmm. the remake of the 1958 film, uh, continuing on our uh, extraterrestrial exploration exactly we're 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 heading into to deep space uh but in this instance uh, space came to us uh we have a uh an, an, an et from an uh, another you know an uh, another place coming in but it's not a cute little cuddly friend that likes reese's pieces it's this horrible uh g- goopy creature that eats and attacks at, at free will uh, i had a lot of fun watching this movie because this was new for me uh, this was new for both of us. Yeah. I had a ton of fun with it. I peeped, I accidentally peeped your letterbox and I was like, oh, okay, this could be a really fun one that we both really enjoyed yeah. for the first time. Yep. But um, spoiler alert for this um, 40-year-old movie that we're mm-hmm. about to talk about. Yeah. Um, so in, in the uh, even though it, I'm, I'm glad that it kind of happened, but uh, this isn't per se an alien movie. 
Um, I mean, we do have a lot of variety. So like you said, like, you know, in life, we were out in yeah. the ship in outer space. Yeah. Slither. We had the invasion here on Earth. Mm-hmm. And that's what it appears to be here, but it is not. This is not. It was. This was a government manufactured germ that got mutated in space. So does that make it technically an alien? Well, I would say so because you still have the the. I, I I'm I'm no scientist or biologist, but I would still say that there's something happen on a molecular level in space to where life from some you know uh, some sense in the cosmos is impacting it so if anything it's it is a bit of a hybrid but i mean well it well it's mutated but the the definition of alien is belonging to a foreign country nation or foreign from this planet obviously even yeah but it as did originally come from this planet it just got changed into what it became from being in outer space well i think it would be similar to how um life is because in that movie they do uh, uh, well no that was a martian though that was that was that was a sample from mars yes but that's still but they still use i believe it was glucose which is from earth so there's still like some type of that they used it well they used it to stimulate it that's that's to (laughs) feed him that that like I'm not yeah. talking the food here. Like Calvin is still a Martian from sure. outer space. Sure. I'm just saying this was a germ that we made and then sent out into space and then it yeah. came back as the blob. So, hey, but I, but if, again, if we're I changing like the, the movie this deep into the episode. You got to let me know. Okay. No, Cause I'm I just, prepped for this movie. <laughs> I'm just, no, I like the, I like the variety that we ended up having yeah. um, with that, you yeah. know, and then um, we'll get a completely different, um, type of alien representation in the next totally. episode as yeah. well and all the episodes from this month were all in different decades yes they were yeah which is um which is uh, nice always great to go for because you do get that that different tote i mean especially with this movie my god like uh, completely different color palettes audience sensibilities um this is also kind of harkening back to uh, you know uh, an even uh, further kind of yesteryear horror movie so you've got kind of this this nice sense of uh you know recent audience uh, sensibilities watching life and and kind of knowing mm-hmm. what to expect from modern horror movies and then going back even further Further to the kind of the 1950s and what audiences were kind of interested then, which is like big creatures attacking, you know, small towns yeah. or, and things like that. Yeah, which I'll say even influenced my expectations of this movie. Like yeah. this movie being in the 80s, I expected a more um, a lighter like romp. Yeah. Of a movie. Yeah. I did not expect it to be as gross and violent and just yeah. like and how much like danger there is in this movie. I didn't expect that. Yeah. I, but because I just assumed I was like, oh, it's an 80s monster movie. Yeah. And they probably did it the 80s way. And like that mm-hmm. influenced like my expectations of it. And then came away having a completely different experience. Yeah. I've, I have seen the original 58 film and it's it's not really my favorite. I was expecting a little bit more fun with that movie. Just it, I found it like a little dull watching it i was expecting like yeah there's just this big cheesy 1950s horror movie like i love the thing from another world which is john carpenter then of course later remade to just the thing but yeah i expected this to have much more of a tongue-in-cheek kind of approach to it but it's pretty serious all things considered like yeah you do have this big goopy thing that's attacking a small town and there's a a, a really hilarious moment of comedy involving a manhole that i was i was uh you know busting at the, at the scene 
teams watching. But for the most part, it is pretty self-serious, um, which mm-hmm. was definitely um, definitely a surprise to me, but a welcome one for sure. Yeah, so let's go ahead and uh, get into our movie for the day. The Blob, released August 5th, 1988, directed by Chuck Russell, who is known uh, previously for Nightmare on Elm Street 3, would go on to direct The Mask. Uh, This was written by Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont, who uh, also co-wrote on Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Fly 2, but would go on to have a illustrious directing career for himself, directing The Green Mile, Shawshank Redemption, and The Mist, Mm -hmm. which has some influences of The Blob. Kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, this was a remake of the 1958 film that was written by Kane, uh, mm, that was written by Kay Lenacher. Uh, the score was done by Michael Honing and the cinematography was done by Mike Irwin, um, which I note because he was a frequent collaborator with David Cronenberg. He shot the fly scanners and Videodrome. Yeah. This movie, um, was made for less than $10 million and only brought back in 8.2 million. So it was, was not a success. Uh, wasn't a big critical, um, success either. Kind of had mixed reviews back in the day. Yeah. But with, uh, the current Rotten Tomatoes percentage, it is 62% on only 26 reviews with an average letterbox rating of 3.6 out of 5. I gotta say, you know, going back to 80 sensibilities and how, um, audiences were kind of engaging with with horror movies on uh, back then where it was mostly like on a blood and guts kind of level to where like that was a big draw for 80s movies i gotta say 80s crowd you missed out guys like you really you missed the ship on this one i'm i'm i'm, I'm disappointed that you guys uh, let this one uh, not uh, get the return that it frankly deserves i mean look at all the people involved in this my god exactly. it's like a, it's like an all-star team there <laughs> so much talent behind this movie that i didn't even realize and see it's interesting that you uh, attribute like the 80s to like blunt guts i don't i attribute a lot of 80s horror to i mean yeah we did have like the slashers and stuff and we had like stuff like this mm-hmm. but for the most part i always think of the 80s as kind of very safe when it came to horror in sure. general because yeah. it was a lot more um horror for wider audiences it was yeah. blockbuster horror it right. was horror that you could go see with your family still yeah. yeah um that like that's that's kind of what i think a lot of the time so like that's why again i was surprised that like when we do have these like you know because i feel like the the 80s gems that are praised are the like bloodier ones like you yeah. know the Hellraisers, your things because sure. i feel like they were so few and far between compared to the rest of the stuff that like they stick out a little bit more yeah so that's why i'm surprised that this one i mean i see it get talked about but not nearly like you know to the extent of a lot of other 80s flicks yeah it's like i would say it's kind of achieved cult status and yeah in, in the the 80s there was a lot of different types of horror movies i think the kind of the lowest common denominator that you would find is a lot of them do feature a lot of violence and and a lot of gore and we're very I would say at least we, you and I can agree on that they're very special effects driven uh, and yes, that there's a definitely. lot of intent behind that and that if you are going to have um, like a, a Nightmare on Elm Street film or something like that the kills better deliver it's not as much on character or mood or, or other things like that a, a lot of it is is more spectacle driven um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, with all that being said, I'm just very surprised. Maybe it was the sense of like, 
oh, the blob, like, are we really going to see this thing? It's kind of dumb. You know, I, I have no idea what audiences were, were uh, you know, assuming this film would be. Maybe it's the same kind of thing that you and I thought, that it would I just it kind of be, be kinda, this corny thing. Yeah, but I thought it, it ends was going to be goofy. Being, yeah, but it ends up being like this. Uh, it's not upsetting. Like, it's still really fun, uh, but fun in kind of like a, a, a different way or at least a different. It's not as kind of self-aware poking fun at itself like I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it, 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 it's pretty straight down the middle you know yeah um the the original name um whenever they were writing the 50s version um was uh meteor the the molten meteorite Mm -hmm. which um you know has you know that sci-fi ring to it but then um then it was suggested to change it to just the blob make it like more ambiguous yeah um and kind of gives you a whole different expectation because if this movie was called the the molten meteorite yeah you know i would definitely be thinking something else than the blob yeah the molten meteorite that's a fun kind of you know 50s pulpy kind of you know title there I, i i do like that but yeah maybe it was just audiences attributing it to like you know oh grandpa knows what this film is you know so maybe it's not as cool because your parents went to go see this when they were a kid and that's what they went to go see at the drive-in or something like that so it's not it's not cool and edgy like uh, you know something that might have been a little bit more contemporary at the time maybe it's a little too nostalgic um i have no idea but regardless i had a blast with this film this was like a a, a kind of a revelation to me i had no idea prior to you know reviewing this uh that chuck russell was the director of this and i was was like immediately looking forward to to a lot more because i love dream warriors love the mask uh and i was very excited to see what he did with this and he didn't disappoint yeah um i was very excited um again like it's it's funny because on twitter right now everybody's been talking about uh three movie runs yeah and um i have not seen anybody name this one i was waiting to until we drop the episode and then i'll kind of bring it back around but yeah um, I was like Chuck Chuck Russell, like that's a that's a pretty good three movie run that's right there. Pretty fire, yeah. I'm um, curious what he's up to now. I'm just like, you know, is he retired? It's kind like, of sad. He's yeah. he's um well not sad. I mean I don't know. Um, an interesting subject right now. But he kind of um he's lately been directing those like um John Travolta, Bruce Willis, straight ah. to um VOD kind of stuff. VOD, yeah. The, yeah you know yeah uh, which i mean good for him he's totally. making money still making money doing he's, his job he's making yeah. money doing what he loves so yeah shout to him he's you know but um yeah but very interesting that he's not a director that kind of you know went on to have his name attributed with certain genre things or yeah. you know kind of because i mean it, it, like when you see this movie like it, not that this movie is this big masterpiece or anything like um but in just in its simplicity and execution and the the confidence in which it's directed in and like you see the style behind it and then you know and then you you see why they gave him a lot of money to do the mask like somebody obviously saw like even though not a lot of people saw this movie somebody saw his talent and gave him a bunch of money to do the mask you know which is great so it's like between these two those two movies you would think he would have like went on to kind of be a more in-demand director yeah and it's it's funny because when you watch this movie uh, i i don't know about you but i really 
really felt like there was such a distinct style and and i can really draw a through line between dream warriors and this and then the mask as well like i really felt his hand behind it it wasn't just kind of like oh this could be directed by anybody like i felt like i could very very clearly uh hear his voice kind of kind of coming through so yeah it is a bit of a shame that i don't know maybe because of this i don't I, I believe the mask was a hit, you know, uh, if my if my film knowledge, uh, you know, uh, uh, oh, yeah, dividends totally here. yeah, I believe it was a pretty big hit. So totally. I'd be curious to see uh, kind of what his trajectory was after this. Or did he get, you know, disinterested in these big studio films? Did he feel I don't know, like, I, I wonder if there's any kind of behind the scenes controversy or or anything like that, because I would love to see um, him come back in, into the foray and, and have a big budget like this and make something weird and wild and i think i think audiences would be into that i mean i didn't see anything like any like kind of controversies or any like interesting stories at all behind it like the only thing that like kind of kept coming up whenever i was like researching was like other people doing editorials and like kind of appraising it the same way we are like oh wait how did this go under the radar and like why wasn't this more popular so but let's go ahead and get into the actual movie now are you ready to do the 60 second synopsis i am as ready as i will ever be i don't know that face you just made makes me think that you forgot for a sec (laughs) no i was like getting ready to take a sip of my coffee and you're like springing it on me so let me let me uh let me prepare here it's gotta it's gotta wet the whistle and get Mm. back into it what what is your coffee drink you always have coffee when you come in it's just like a just an iced coffee like i i love a good latte but i I need the energy so as much coffee as i could fit into my into my little body right now is is appreciated just simple simple coffee what 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 milk do you take um i'm an oat milk guy oat milk? Um, but okay. this right here is just uh two pumps of uh, classic syrup uh with that they, they didn't have oat milk so they had, i had to pick soy milk which is unfortunate but usually i have like a, a big one that i fill up with iced coffee at home i had to go through the starbucks this time but yeah you know again to to wet my whistle and to wet my brain whistle i guess <laughs> to give me a little bit of energy if anybody refers to that as their brain whistle you know <laughs> i mean i've been converted to a tea guy i like tea but um but uh, for as far as coffee goes, because see, it's funny, like when people get simple things from Starbucks, because yeah. like I only if I'm getting something from Starbucks, it's going to be something a little bit totally. more fancy. Totally. Yeah. Like otherwise, I just go down to 7-Eleven. I just That's get fair. like a simple coffee from there. Yeah. They have so many options for like cappuccinos and chai really lattes and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, there's a Starbucks literally like I could throw a stone from my nice. apartment and hit one. So, um, yeah, I, I am the least fussy coffee person. Instant coffee, Keurig, uh, the most expensive espresso machine you can find, uh, you know, a 7-Eleven coffee. It's all the same to me. Like mm. I can taste the difference, but I think there's a threshold where I just don't care as much. I'm just like, that's coffee. Yeah, that's fine. That's that's perfect. So. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. See, I feel like you learn a lot about somebody when you um, find their uh, coffee or not or coffee alternative preference. Like says alt- a lot of alternative. Lot about, what do you mean like if, if they don't drink coffee, like if they are a tea person oh, or if yeah. they are um, like whatever their other hot beverage See, or I like, cold beverage I is. like tea, but I'm very fussy with tea. See, I'm the very different. Like where there's only a few types of tea that I like. Usually like a citrusy or a ginger mm-hmm. kind of thing I'm, I'm good with. But just like Earl Grey or English breakfast is just not not really my vibe. And green tea is okay for me. Oh, but, there's a yeah. lot of teas in the world. You yeah, gotta I explore. know. So, so many teas. Uh, there's, it's almost overwhelming. 
I know. And you can like also make your own using like a French press and stuff like that, putting berries and herbs mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So I, I like that. I like watching people make tea because I think it's satisfying. But uh, as far as tasting it, yeah, I would say it's the same with wine to where it's like, I really want to like it. I just <laughs> maybe want, I need, maybe need to explore a little bit more, you know, but, but en- enough for a uh, coffee talk here. Let's get into the blob. I think you're trying to distract me. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't know. what I, I was like trying to give you extra time, but then I don't know. Again, I do. It's a thing for me that I get curious about the way that people uh, drink their things. Cause like I said, I think it says a lot about somebody, how you prepare I think that, it, I think that's what fair. your preferences are. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty, yeah. I'm a pretty uh, cool customer. So, and I usually kind of go with the flow kind of guy. I think that's reflective in my coffee. Yeah. yeah. All right. I got a minute on the clock. You ready? ready? All right. Three, two, one, go. Take your mind. Devon to small town USA, <laughs> a quiet town. Uh, there's a, a lot of colorful characters here in town. A couple of bad boys, a couple of uh, uh, you know, uh, you got the classic cheerleader, popular girls, uh, and uh, in this small town, a meteorite or, or something from space crashes down into this into a field or a forest in the middle of nowhere, and something starts oozing out of it. Uh, uh, and, and out of this meteorite comes this deadly, goopy, pink, uh, life form that starts attacking. And when it gets on your skin, it melts you down to the bone, melts you down to a big pile of, big pile of pus and, and disgusting mm-hmm. jam. And yeah, it's, n- it's no good. Wouldn't want it to happen to anybody. Uh, but these the small town kind of has to band together. Uh, the government's also there too. They've got hazmat suits on. What do they know? What do they not know? Uh, it all kind of comes to Three, a head here as the small two, town tries to survive one. against this extraterrestrial threat. Got it. You, you you made up for it in the end. I I was like you 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 front loaded a little bit and then and they made up for it. It's, it's impressive recovery. Thank you. I, I I like to think that my uh, sixty second synopsis are like when you're writing a birthday card for somebody and you put like the like John Mulaney has a great bit about it where it's like the big ass H, a big ass A, and then like a small Y and a you know. Well, in the in, in the in the way that you said, oh, and the government is there. It's kind of the way it happens in the movie too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I didn't uh, really realized that was such a big subplot of the movie and then i was like oh like kids like when you uh we're dealing with a lot of the same subgenre stuff that we had in slither like um and a lot of slither inspiration Mm -hmm, in this mm -hmm, movie mm -hmm. uh specifically the the guy going to the meteorite and poking it with a stick hey if if something crashes in the woods don't poke it with a stick hey yeah (laughs) that's a classic sci-fi thing isn't it you know it's even so specific even in the best of sci-fi like alien like arguably one of the best if not the best sci-fi horror movie of all time sticks his face in in life they poke him with an electric prod like it's just an electrical stick exactly (laughs) i remember when prometheus came out people were giving that movie such shit for like the scientists being idiots and like they just put his face right in it and i'm just kind of like guys that's a staple like if you see something from like that's you know glowing and there's smoke coming out of it you gotta put your face in it you gotta see what it is maybe even taste it who knows no, i mean it makes sense to be a staple like in sci-fi stories because like it's such a it's such a simplistic showing of you know human human curiosity totally you know we are naive creatures and yeah. like sometimes we just have those 
instinctual impulses. Yeah. And like, yeah, like if you see something, you're just like, oh, I probably should poke it with a stick. What is it even doing when you poke with a stick? Exactly. You you're not learning anything. You just want to <laughs> poke it with a stick. Exactly. You know, there's so. a there's another movie that I, I will uh, definitely be uh, bringing back up again in this discussion, but the stuff. Uh, there's a, the beginning of that movie is pretty much a very similar setup to where something crashes on Earth mm-hmm. and it's like this goopy kind of liquid. I still need to watch that one. Well, in that movie, instead of putting their face in it, this guy like eats picks it up and, and eats it, it yeah. like immediately. So it's kind of the same kind of thing. It's like, let alone, are you like kind of, oh, what is this? But he like immediately is like, what does this taste like? I mean, <laughs> but it, it's like it's not too far off. Um, and I figured the stuff would be kind of a similar movie. I, I'd always been meaning to watch this one and the stuff. And I think maybe I even got them mixed up sometimes. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely gonna get to that one. But so it's like, we got the, we got the sci-fi, we got the alien stuff. Uh, we have the small town horror because again, this is another small town. Everybody kind of knows each other. Yep. We have the different distinct characters, you know, Fran who runs the diner. We got the reverend, we got the pharmacist. People know each other's little brothers, like, you know, that, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm definitely down for that. It's a type but, of town that you can wander into a diner after hours and be like, hey, come on, man. Just a quick sandwich. I was like, oh, man. She I, is too nice. Exactly. I, am not the, yeah. I am not the one. You and I both work in like you're a bar. I'm like a, a restaurant. And if somebody comes in after hours, I'm like, no, get the hell out of here, man. No. I'm not cooking for you anything. I'm not making you a peanut butter sandwich. Go home. Literally nothing. <laughs> and, like she was she's literally forcing stuff upon him here. There's another slice of pie, too. And he's like, are you sure? She's like, no, here, yeah, take yeah, it. I think more. she's just trying to get rid of stuff. Maybe it's like past its expiration yeah, yeah, date yeah. or something like that. It's like it's going in the trash anyway. Fine with that. But uh, yeah, she's 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 nicer than I would be. I'm just saying Fran's a real one there. <laughs> Fran is a real one. Um, we love them. Um, but yeah. And but then it comes out of nowhere. We have this government conspiracy theory angle, mm-hmm. yeah. which, you know, I joke. They make a joke about it in Slither. Um, it's just a, a passing joke. Oh, it's a biological weapon. And yeah. it's like, oh, I didn't realize they were literally making a reference to Bob that this the blob was intended. They were doing research and they're like, this is yeah. a potential biological weapon now. Yeah. Yeah. And like and I didn't realize that. But it's like they make it a passing joke and slither. But in this like that is a big part of it. Like, you know, they show up thinking it's going to be um, that they're there to help containment. Totally. And of course they're not. They're there with ulterior motives and the only one that knows the truth is the punk kid, but nobody believes the punk kid Yeah, because he's a punk. They, they really <laughs> want to make sure you know that Brian Flagg is a fucking punk. He is like <laughs> this guy. I, I was hoping that we would spend some some much needed yeah, time let's, on Yeah, let's Brian. start with the characters. Yeah, because this this guy uh, portrayed by uh, uh, the Matt Dillon's brother himself, yeah, uh, Kevin uh, Dillon, Kevin Dillon uh, who I believe is also uh, is Entourage as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've not watched the show, but I, I'm aware that he's on it. Um, uh, sporting what's gotta be one of the quintessential 80s mullet. There's a lot of power in this mullet. It's outrageous. Like, it's a sight p- like. to behold. Like, there's, like, Stonehenge, the Grand Canyon, you know, it's <laughs> the a- Coliseum, and then this mullet. <laughs> it's so funny on... on um on letterbox um so a, a friend on twitter greg mucci mm-hmm. um has uh logged and recorded the movie blob on letterbox like six times and he Damn. writes and he, and he writes like a little review on each one 
And out of like six of those reviews, four of them mention <laughs> Brian's mullet. That's how powerful this thing I is. I love how he keeps coming back just to make sure that the <laughs> mullet still holds up. You know, like it's going to change at all. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm going to um, tweet him about it. Like, you really got a hard on for Brian Flagg's mullet. But I mean, it is powerful. It's like, understandable. I was even watching it and I was like, I was just curious. I was like, how does this stack up to other like classic 80s mullets? And I was I was looking at photos and uh, looking at, you know, uh, you got Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon. Uh, you know, it's not quite a mullet, but it's definitely well, see, big the, 80s hair of like Bon Jovi. I was looking at this and I was like, I think it tops it all. It know? really wasn't popular. Like, so that's that's the one thing I can trace about the history of the mullet is like no matter who actually invented it. It did. It it didn't start coming back into style until the mid '80s, and then especially when the Lost Boys came out. Like yeah. that, that was a big driver in the mullet uh, industry. And then in the and then the <laughs> the mullet industry just makes me think there's like a, a boardroom of all like guys with business suits, but they all have they're big like, mullets. It's our, and there's like, it's like our just, time. there's pointing at charts, you know, with like arrows going up and down. And it's just the how the hair should go. <laughs> exactly. And um and the the term was apparently coined by the beastie boys and and not that they invented the name of it but they had a song um referencing mullets and like that's when it became like the, the popular association with it so yeah mullets are more of a 90s um thing than and they're also an making a comeback thing. now we're and having like course. a mullet renaissance now. oh yeah. i love it i love the alternative mullets that we got going now yeah. i wish i could do something like that but my hair is not loose enough i no, can't man yeah kevin dylan bring it back man because yeah. it's it's impressive i'll it, say that it yeah. is it is definitely impressive and and i like this character a lot um I'm a sucker for the the punk kid protagonist that it's like, you know, he's seen to be a punk. Nobody likes him. But of course, he has a heart of gold, of course. And it's like especially in a sci fi thing, because when you're dealing with like paranoia and people not believing you. Sure. You know, it makes sense that it's like, you know, that they're just like, oh, of course, we're not going to totally. believe the punk. And and, it, and it's funny that they even do go to the links of like accusing him of murder for a second until a cop, yeah. with, a cop <laughs> finally goes, OK, yeah. like Brian's a punk, but he's not a killer. Like, let's we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Exactly. But. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's got this interesting kind of dynamic between you've got like the the federal government, you've got the local, you know, sheriff who's like, ah, mm-hmm. you've been in, in and out of trouble for and a the, long time here. You and, know? and he even makes a mention like I have a problem problem with authority like the punk that doesn't like authority figures and like but it also makes sense for a protagonist like him because he's he's fucking fearless like but when we get to the second half of the movie him and meg are fucking just doing shit like it is them up against this fucking monster and they are fucking taking care of business yeah and And apparently it was kind of a uh hitchcockian influence on this movie in regards to like killing the character that you would typically attribute to being the lead of the movie Mm -hmm. pretty early on and then you kind of have these unconventional heroes in a sense and you're right they are very active very involved in the plot whereas i kind of feel in the original steve mcqueen it's just like okay who's the hero of this movie is is this uh, steve mcqueen Uh, which by the way steve mcqueen who was uh like a full ass adult in that movie is like playing a high school kid it's hilarious if you ever if you ever get to look at that movie it's like 
He is easily probably <laughs> in his mid thirties, mid to late thirties. Doesn't look like he's in high school at all. It is playing like, you know, captain of the football team guy. It doesn't work at all. Uh, but yeah, I Makes do sense. like how you kind of have these unconventional heroes here. And uh, yeah, a, a co-final girl, final, final boy here. We're yeah, that's what I said. Conversation. Yeah, a couple yeah, weeks ago. That, that is, that's what I said in my little uh, blurb of it is mm-hmm. um, I called them co-final girls. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I, one, I was happy that they killed Paul because in the first 20 minutes, I was like, oh, this is the kid that we're going to be with. I yeah. was I was kind of like not looking forward to it. Yeah, playing a daytime like they, they football really, game. Yeah, they really <laughs> hype him up. He's a, a football star. They show yeah. him he's making eyes with the cheerleader. I was yeah. like typical cheerleader football player stuff. And I was yeah. like, uh, lame, but whatever. We'll yeah. deal with it. And then, yeah, he's, he's our first big death and like the way yeah. they show it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. We are yeah. going to now focus on Meg and Brian um, yeah. as they take on like co-final girl duties. And, and, and it's cool because like the movie does an interesting thing like where they kind of split up the action in a really fun way. It's mm-hmm. like Brian's on the run from the, the yeah. government people. Yeah. The cops are trying to help contain the city and trying to figure shit out. Meg has the two little brothers as trying to keep them safe. And it's yeah. like all spread out. And it's like they kind of have their times separate from each other, have yeah. their moments, but then they also have their moments together, which is really nice too. Yeah, something I definitely prefer of this film as opposed to the original, and I think it's a great idea to have the inclusion of the government is there and are they, like, what is their role in this? Because keep in mind, this is also like a post-ET time, which mm-hmm. kind of has like a similar plot point. And I do think that there's this kind of nice subversion. That I mean, the government's not good guys in the E.T. movie by any means, but these guys are like straight up nefarious. Like they don't give a shit about this town. They actively call the the, the townsfolk like expendable, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they're introduced in this movie, which I think is a great idea because it adds another wrinkle that's not just what's the villain of this movie? Ah, it's the big blob. It's like you have this entirely other threat that you, you that you also have to work uh, worry about because it's equally threatening to the people of this town. Mm-hmm. Like they don't care if they rescue you and they will actively keep you in danger, you know, if it means that they can kind of just get their mandate. Like there's points in this movie to where like they're in the sewer and they lock them in the sewer with this creature and then drive a truck over the over, over the manhole. Up. Yeah, which is like, you know, that's that's ice cold. Oh, and I mean, I will say one thing I will call out about these government uh, protagonist or antagonist guys, because uh, I mean, no, it, it works perfectly for the movie. It's the perfect like balance to yeah. like, have this like, you know, multiple threats thing. But the fact that it is led by a black man, we have a black scientist mm-hmm. working for the government already suspicious <laughs> and now you're telling him he's also willing to kill this entire town who is this man he's the alien okay <laughs> he like that guy meadows is not human that doesn't make any sense i'm calling it out but yeah. there's also like it's funny that this movie kind of has like an anti-government anti-church kind of angle too like uh-huh. it's it's i was like a very interesting group of people that you're deciding to point fingers at like in this time and like in the 80s which to be honest like looking back i i guess 
get it. You know, <laughs> maybe that's why. Maybe that's why people don't like didn't like Chuck making movies. I don't they, know. They don't. They want him making statements against the man. They're like, Chuck, you're you're too loud. <laughs> you gotta quiet down, Chuck. Uh, but no, I'm all here for it, of course. Uh, and uh, which in the end of this movie, which we'll definitely get be getting to, it's like, oh, what's more fearful than like this uh, this extraterrestrial threat in the government? Oh, it's a crazy white pastor. You know, of course. <laughs> like that's right. the most terrifying thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I want to I want to go back because you know we we talked about Brian for a sec, but also because I want to bring back from a conversation mm-hmm. um, a couple weeks ago when we had our final girl discussion. Yeah. I think it was during that episode, or it might have been a different one where we were trying to think of: Are there any? Is there anybody that's gotten to be a final girl and a killer? It's Shawnee Smith. And she's yeah, the final true. girl here, and then and she's then, in a protege, a saw protege. Exactly. Yeah. And I didn't really think about it, but she has one of the very few distinctions of horror where she's yeah. gotten to be the final girl and a killer. Yeah, I'd be curious. Yeah, I'd be curious to see actually, like, what that you know, that's like the horror equivalent of an egot. You know. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I, I kind of want to see what it is. You know, I had no idea that she like did you know a bunch of stuff that she got her start like way earlier. Yeah. Um, did not know that, and. Um, um, but but which is super cool and again meg is doing shit in this movie like totally. you know they they kind of you know set her up as just the innocent you know cheerleader girl and they kind of you know make banter of it back and forth between yeah. her and brian of him like even calling out the situation like he's like yeah. of course brian now you're going for the perf- the pure cheerleader totally and like you know they they set that up but like I mean, she is, you know, she's running through sewers. She's rescuing kids. Yeah. She's uh, throwing bombs at the blob and like, totally. it's like she's, she's doing it. And, and, and she's completely clothed. She's in reasonable shoes that yeah. make sense. Yep. Like it, her character just made me very happy. Yeah. I love to, to see Shawnee Smith in this because a uh, big, big soft fan myself. So it was fun to see like uh, her like in her younger acting days. I didn't know that she had been in, you know, in the uh, had yeah. skin in the game that long. And she's adorable in this movie. She's sporting some also uh, nothing to sneeze at 80s hair. She's got great 80s hair in this great movie. Great 80s too. hair. The pants. I want those pants. <laughs> honestly, there's a oh, God. Calcifer. Come on, man. All right. Calm down, dude. There's a, a a great scene early on in this movie where she's talking to her mother and she's like picking the like clothes out of the laundry and she holds up a sweater that she said like got uh, shrunk in the wash somehow like not the dryer the wash I I yeah. think uh, but it's like the it shrunk the sweater and I was looking at the sweater and I was like hey nowadays that's a fashion choice like that's a fashion statement to have like this crop top sweater tiny, on yeah tiny sweater <laughs> yeah it would have looked great on her uh, but yeah it was really fun to see her in this and also you've got like a great cast of these. Uh, character actors in this like uh art lafleur who uh plays uh the the pharmacist mm-hmm. and also the dad uh and there's a, a really great line that he has uh where uh the, early on in the movie uh two of the characters are uh, buying condoms uh and uh they ask if if he wants ribbed or just like classic and he says ribbed in the face of this preacher which i was like that's a gangster move right there like but he then he, he and then yeah he then tries he, to play it off saying it's like for his friend yes. which comes 
comes yes. back around for a funny gag later. Yes, because then he says ribbed. Like when he when he recognizes him. So funny. Yeah, but he, yeah. he said it so earnestly. <laughs> ribbed. <laughs> but I just thought it was so funny that like in the face of this priest who like confronts him at the pharmacy store, they ask like if he wants classic or ribbed, and he proudly says that he wants ribbed. So <laughs> well, and fearless. And and, and and I'm glad that you know we and we see that Scotty later is like really gross, mm-hmm. like you know he like plans and takes girls to, like make out and has all those rings and a makeshift bar in the back Let's, of his trunk. Okay. I, but I want to talk about the makeshift bar. What is going on? <laughs> like, what's this operation he's got in the back of his trunk? He, it's ridiculous. It, it just it, it insinuates that this is what he does. Oh, I to get lots it. of girls. I get he it. Gets yeah. them drunk with his makeshift bar in his. Tr- he yeah. has a bunch of rings insinuating yes, that he, gets he uses out. Yeah. that yes. line of yes. like, well, you have my ring. You're, yeah. That means something. I'm just saying, dude. It's oh, a small town. It's what's your plan here? Like, it's gonna get around quickly. It is, but it, but at the same time, it, in a small town like that, people also don't care, though. Too. That's true. But like, I'm just saying, in the you're, back, he, you're he, used to uh, things kind of people going around. And, yeah, you he, know, he, he's got still fresh cut strawberries back there. I'm like, in the summer heat, like those are going to be rotten, and like the, in the strawberries are going to be rotten. How do the bottles not tip over? That's what I'm saying they're man. clanking around while I you're know. driving. That's annoying. You'd be like, There's... what is that noise? And you're like, oh, it's my mini bar in the back <laughs> of my car. It's not like he has like a cool like 80s van with like you know like we does he refresh about, it? You know? Does he refresh it with ice and supplies That's every what I'm week? Saying. Does he wash the dishes? I know. Back there? I, w- I want to know what like the operation he's got going back in there because it's ridiculous and he makes makes a drink and he has a hand mixer i know (laughs) nobody makes drinks like that yeah i was like get a bar spoon you absolute maniac like just completely unhinged uh uh, little operation he's got going on back there completely ridiculous i mean he's disgusting so you know i'm glad that him and the other the other guy paul they're the first two deaths of the of the movie and you know because again it's like we have the 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 switcheroo thinking that Paul's gonna be our lead kill him off yeah so let's get into the kills well, so we can yeah. start with that first well, one it's on on the topic of that but like the the way that he dies is amazing because like the girl die well she dies but you don't really like you assume that she dies but he doesn't really know and he's like trying to like make yeah, a, a yeah, weird yeah. move on her and he's assaulting her to be frank but like he turns her around she's dead and then her face starts like caving, caving in. in like I've I never really seen like somebody's like in a horror movie like implode like that like it like not explode like they imploded they caved in like a can of soda it was disgusting it but lo- awesome <laughs> it, it um it totally i love that because um because it's like it, it's one of those things like yeah obviously like when that effect happens you can tell it's happening to yeah. a, a fake mannequin that's fine. but it's yeah. okay because like the idea of that happening to a real person yeah. is just like too horrific anyways yeah um they do a similar in a possessor Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. those like uh, trippy sequences, there's one where yep. their face like caves in like that and uh, it's real gross and the yeah. the tentacles like sprout from it. It was like, yeah, like I knew it was coming, yeah, yeah, but it yeah. was still very satisfying. Have you, have you guys talked about Possessor on the pod? Yes, we did. Oh, sorry, Damn bud. It, I missed that. Love that movie. Sorry, Lots bud. To we say still about we that. still have a lot of Cronenberg movies up we for grabs. Do, We've but, only talked yeah. one Cronenberg movie, so we got a lot of Cronenberg in general. Yeah, shout out grabs. to his son Brandon Cronenberg because I wish I could have talked about that because that's a that's an excellent movie. Yeah. Anyway, though, I digress. Um, but yeah, I thought the the special effects and the. Uh, you know, the kills in this were very well thought out. A lot of attention to detail. They also uh, enlisted in the help of, I believe, a veteran who was. Uh, 
I don't know what the exact uh, terminology is here, but he was like a multiple amputee and like was missing several limbs as a result of the war. And because of this, they like enlisted in his help and being, I believe he's the, the, the guy that is like under the tarp that they like whip off and he's like missing his entire lower half. Oh, yeah, I believe mm. that's, that's, that's him. Let me, I will double check here, but a lot of creativity in the special effects here. It's, it's really gross. There's a great moment where, um, a, a character is is on the ground and they like kind of pull them over to like see what's like you know if they're okay and their face is like stuck to the pavement and it like mm-hmm. peels off it's just like oh my god it's disgusting <laughs> I mean yeah shout out to Lyle Conway who was mm-hmm. the main supervisor for the effects on yeah. this um, which just yeah all looks so great which it, it, that's what's nice about having something so simple yeah you know it's like it's nice to come up with a creature design that's very intricate and very distinct and like has its own look but like when you have something like this that is so simple you have so many possibilities with it you can yeah you can really have like fun with it. i mean and the way that like it moves like very fast Mm -hmm. like like faster than you would think it does like and that makes it kind of unsettling too but like the way that it engulfs you and then like you are just burning away on the inside so it's like it's yep. a very slow painful death mm-hmm. people are always still screaming and you can see like their eyes still moving like when their faces are on the inside of the blob yeah. like uh the the screams the sound of paul's screams in that first death are so yeah. good yeah and it's so like unsettling yeah i uh as far as like some of these you know that's a classic trope uh with scream queens is like how good their scream is but i'll say like he he holds his own there that's a pretty that's he a pretty good scream. yeah and that's also like if you look on letterbox that's like the the banner image that they have on letterbox is yeah. the, that car scene so a very memorable one but yeah there's uh, uh you know it's like i said it's kind of the appeal of a lot of these 80s movies especially like it's funny to look at if you look at kind of these 80s remakes of films from the 1950s so i'd say you have like the fly you have the thing you have this as well as others but i i think that these are kind of the more well-known ones and they're all incredibly visual effects driven and like are honestly kind of things that you can point to and be like that's one of the best examples of of 80s you know kind of uh special effects gory makeup in 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 these movies i mean this is honestly some of the best like looking stuff like the 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 grotesque imagery that Mm -hmm. like the the kills and the blob like make in this movie are so and ridiculously impressive like whenever i watch a movie like the thing yeah. and like see these like you know structures that they've like made and yeah. like that they've come up with like i look at them like sculptures and like that's what i like look like when i'm like watching this like all the different forms like a, that they like, <laughs> like come up with is like this just like these like blobby like structures that like kind of turn into tendrils sometimes and yeah. sometimes it's flat and like and I, I just really like the way the the various ways that they used it. Um, yeah. I loved um, the death when um, Fran is in the phone booth. Ah, so good. And it's getting like engulfed. So it's like she's crushed with the blob and the phone booth. So she's like getting like stabbed with glass and getting melted. Yeah. And like it was like and like they subverted the we thought like we were going to follow her the the small town sheriff trope which yeah. you know i love yes and uh no we kill him too and we find out like we don't even see his original death we see him the reveal of his death is whenever fran's about to die and we see his totally. like face in it and like yeah. that was like damn that's devastating also, i don't remember the guy's name but the guy who's like the cook at the diner 
Homeboy gets sucked down a drain. Oh like, man, what a way to go! Garbage disposal deaths um, are always great for me because I don't I, even know if I, it's a garbage disposal. He just gets like straight up well, sucked well, down the drain. Well, no, he gets sucked down the drain, <laughs> but it's like that that idea of like, oh, let me yeah, put like, your hand yeah yeah, yeah, yeah and then kind of like tension, yeah, you know, and yeah, you always have that fear of like the garbage disposal turning on, but like you don't yeah. have the fear of literally getting sucked down into it, like the yeah. way that it grabs him and pulls him down. Yeah, it's it's great because he like puts his hand in there. And then he like takes it out. So you think kind of all is well. And then he's just kind of like, huh. And then it like comes out of the drain and grabs him, which is like kind of a, it's like oh, <laughs> kind of a reverse of what you would expect. You know, mm-hmm. you'd expect him to like pull his hand in and then get sucked through versus it coming through the drain and grabbing him. And like, it's, yeah. And I like how the the set pieces like just keep escalating, you know, as Mm -hmm. the blob is getting bigger, it's getting stronger, more powerful. Yeah. And, you know, it goes around pretty low key before people really start realizing that something's wrong. But like once it um, attacks the movie theater, which love a good movie theater set piece. Yeah. um, Which is a reference that is a big set piece in the original one. So it's like a nice it's it's funny to see how that kind of has evolved to this okay (laughs) i mean yeah i i really dug it there's just like so much mayhem going on it's like snagging people from the ceiling you just see people shooting up to the ceiling yeah the the flashing light from the the projector you know going off is it's just so fun such a fun set and and, and even within that there's this like the kids go sneak off to go see this slasher movie and i i forget what the movie is called but i think it's called just like garden tool massacre or something (laughs) like that yeah it was yeah something like that which is just like a great like just blanket just we're just gonna make fun of all of these movies at once it was it was really excellent of and then yeah it's this classic guys in a hockey mask and there's some kind of he's got a chainsaw it doesn't matter and (laughs) it's so funny the way that the kids were like trying to um the kids were trying to rationalize it to the mom yeah she goes he goes Oh, don't worry. There's not a sex because they always get killed first. <laughs> like, so it's like I like uh, Chuck's uh, little commentary against slasher movies. Yeah, and it was funny because you would like you would think that kids to go to see a movie like this, they would be the ones who would be like disruptive during the movie. But then there's like this the guy, guy behind them, and he's like, "Oh, you're never. Oh, this is what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. he's gonna and, get killed, but she's gonna get away. Yeah, and, and the, the, yeah, uh-huh. and the kids are like, "Excuse me, we're trying to watch the movie," <laughs> which is I I I related to that because usually. Especially uh, now that I've moved out here to L.A. And the, when you go see a horror movie on opening night, it's usually pretty packed. I, I find myself being the one of like, excuse me, I'm trying to watch the movie. So to see to see that person get sucked up by this big goopy monster was very satisfying. <laughs> oh, I'll straight up shush people. Oh, I've, sure. I've, I've told people get off their phones. I don't give a shit. I paid no, money and totally. you are be- like, why? Why even go to the movies if you just want to be on your phone? Yeah, I'm not going to be There's like, no hey, point. dick bag, shut the hell up. But I, I'll usually do. Uh, uh, depending on how far they are, you get one. Me, you get you know? one nice one from me. <laughs> you get one nice one, and if you do it again, it's yeah. not gonna be nice after that. Yeah, the last time that uh, it it happened to me, uh, I went and saw The Cursed, which is like a recent werewolf movie that came out. Uh, not great. Dude next to me chonching on his popcorn so loudly that a person like two rows in front of us turns around to like looked it was just like investigating of like is that a human that's eating food is there like a small bear in here i i he was right next to me i leaned over to him and i was like dude 
could you be a little quieter, please? Because <laughs> it, it was, was cartoonish. It was, it was probably my best friend, Tyler. <laughs> um, Tyler, he's been on the show a couple times. Um, I love my best friend to death, but he is the loudest eater yeah. in the world. Yeah. He eats with his mouth open. <laughs> he makes he makes things that are soft sound loud. Yeah. It's it's I don't get it. So if um, I, I, I don't think I've ever let him eat popcorn in the theater. <laughs> you veto it? Probably. Yeah. Because I, I just couldn't. <laughs> you know, I'm my, I, I don't get snacks a lot at the theater, but um, if, if I do get popcorn, I'm a classic. You get a couple of pieces, c- put it in one hand, and you do a couple at a time. Like this guy was literally like fistful. And then I'm going to eat 10 at the same time, which is that's when you get the volume. That's why I'm on the, yeah. that's why I'm on the gummies. Gummies are quiet. See, I'm a raisinette guy, which are also. Gummies are yeah. nice and quiet. And yeah. it's all good. They do have some of the loudest packaging, though. Oh yeah, let's see. That's a whole nother thing. Raisinets. You got a you got a quiet box. You know, you don't have to like you don't got wrappers involved. You just pop it open once and just kind of you know you know just eat your eat your snack in peace. I'm generally cons- like try to be considerate of people throughout my entire life, but especially so in movie theaters. I'm just like I don't want to ruin someone's experience. But yeah, all that to say to see this guy eaten by this alien and melt was very, was was amazing. Very satisfying. <laughs> And like I said, like from that point too, like the the like the set pieces just like keep escalating, and like the the pacing like is just really nice. Like yeah. it, it really ramps up in the second half because it goes from you go from the movie set piece, and then you have um, Meg uh, running from the blob, yeah, uh, running through the drains, mm-hmm. and like we have all that sequencing going, yeah, and then that leads straight into like you know the main, you know the blob finally emerges we see it's you know gigantic form totally. and it's you know we literally have the scene of giant monster town people going crazy people yeah. are on fire yeah i love that <laughs> yeah in that final sequence uh the the moment that i was talking about that really made me laugh there's like this this standoff between you know you got the punk kid you got the sheriff you got the government and they're kind of in this like you know three-way standoff here uh and then the the, the sheriff department ends up going over over uh, uh i but actually i believe it's no the, it's the, the government agents, people, yeah. yeah the federal agents who uh who you know once the main kind of bad guy is done they kind of come to their senses and you know kind of join with the rest of the townspeople anyway they go over to this manhole and there's like four or five <laughs> of them with assault rifles just shooting at nothing <laughs> uh, and i thought it was really really and funny. they throws it a bomb afterwards <laughs> he throws it a bomb afterwards of course does it goes nothing, well you know? takes care of that <laughs> like he's just like don't worry guys i've got it taken care of uh which i uh, just the, the confidence on display there was uh really excellent but yeah that that really that was probably like the funniest moment in this movie. i mean this movie is anti-everything anti-guns yeah. anti-government anti-religion anti just mm-hmm. every every sort of establishment yeah. um they the, the blob is not for the patriarchy yeah yeah um, i love that i was just very curious because like the way that you actually defeat the blob is like it's a adverse to cold and like fire mm-hmm. extinguishers and they think they do a great job of I think this movie does a great job of payoff in general. Like there's not only like the early motor uh, motorcycle sequence, which is paid off later, but yeah, then yeah. there's like this nice foreshadowing of like when they hide in the freezer, like it comes under and then it kind of recedes. And so you're able to kind of see that paid off later when they use fire extinguishers and they end up destroying the thing, uh, kind of the opposite of how they destroy the Terminator. Like in the first Terminator mm-hmm. movie, instead of blowing up like this propane truck, they kind of blow up, I guess this like sea, CO2 truck it's not 
very specific, uh, but it ends up freezing into yeah, like yeah. a bunch of these little pieces. And I'm just very curious. I'm like, what's the cleanup of that like? Because the there's no way the government's just like letting this slide. It's still got to be out there somehow, you know? Well, he mentions we got to get this to the ice house like right afterwards after yeah. they like do it. Um, and I think it would have been... um. Um, I think frozen nitrous tanks, I think nitrous tanks are the ones that uh, make it like super cold. Yeah. Or it might've been CO2. One of the two. Yeah. Some, something but, cold that ends up freezing it into tiny yeah, pieces, you know, which I, which I appreciate. Um, it kind of gave me some inspiration for a comic I'm working on. Ooh. Um, but, uh, yeah. And it, yeah. And it's kind of like you said, like the, the opposite of like, you know, that the U S is, um, response in these kind of movies is always just yeah, blow it up, blow it up, yeah, blow it up, <laughs> shoot it and blow it up. And uh, yeah, I totally forgot about uh Brian's little yeah rad little motorcycle chase scene. Yeah, which also might be like uh, a bit of a, a hat tip to Steve McQueen there. Uh, you know, like the Great Escape. Maybe, maybe I'm just like a, a tin I mean, maybe hatting, I think know? it's also a if you if you have a punk, he's got to ride a motorcycle. And yeah, there's got to be a scene of course with it. and a great leather jacket, uh, leather jacket as well. I love that his motor cycles like kind of a piece of shit like it keeps keeps crap uh, crapping he out keeps on crashing him, you know? <laughs> and he's he loves his motorcycle i love that even him borrowing the socket set from the uh mechanic guy comes back into play when yeah. he breaks himself out of the back of the That's truck I'm talking about man like yeah. everything does um have purpose and like keeps coming back around yeah there's also uh some great dark uh not dark humor but just like unexpected humor it's not a whole lot yeah but when it happens it's really yeah. funny yeah yeah. Um, I love the scene. I literally laughed out loud, super loud whenever um, Meg, you know, has the moment. She like uh, tosses the thing, says her one liner and she goes to jump off the back of a truck and her foot it gets, gets caught. Yes, so <laughs> great. Yeah. The side of it. Yeah. I laughed so loud. So good because she tries to have this cool like Sarah Connor line and she's, you know, uh, and just jumps off and her, her shoe just gets <laughs> stuck. Uh, and yeah, I think that this, I, I don't know about you, but in movies like this, I find a lot of the humor just kind of in the ridiculousness of it all. It's not necessarily like, Oh, here's a joke or a punchline, but like seeing somebody's face like cave in because of this goopy alien monster i find just completely ridiculous and and almost inherently funny to where it's it's so violent and it's so outrageous that it almost kind of becomes like kind of cartoonish in a way oh yeah like oh yeah no i'm i'm the same way i mean because the movie does try to be funny like they try to give brian a lot of one-liners yeah uh throughout like just all of his like little things that he says and um but then yeah it's like yeah it comes more in the scenarios and like i and like i said like the timing of it like Mm -hmm. when when some of the things are said like um i just love whenever meg and the little kid are running away and uh this is after the kid's friend gets eaten by the blob yeah blob killed a kid we love it we We love love to to see see it. it love to see it um like really and they show it too like this poor poor kid um, so, but then like, they're like running away and then like after like Megan, the other kid are like safe for a minute, the kid just goes, I'm never going to the movies again. <laughs> and it's pretty, pretty great. And he's like literally saying it though, but like sobbing, he didn't say it like as a joke, like he was like dead ass serious. Yeah, like literally I can never yeah. go to the movies again. <laughs> yeah. 
in that there's a great sequence that actually had a lot of tension to it where they're trying to escape the theater and his his jacket gets stuck. A lot of clothing gets stuck yeah. in this movie, but his jacket gets stuck and they're trying to like undo the zipper, which is I think a universal human experience that we have of mm-hmm. all when we're trying to get your zipper and you're just like, I shut up a bitch. Like it won't <laughs> it won't get down and they just kind of tear him away from the jacket and then right after they escape, the door blasts open and you know they just narrowly escape death. I just I thought that that was kind of a fun sequence of like okay you're already in this dire situation trying to escape this uh this alien life form how can you make it just a little bit worse oh your jacket gets stuck Uh, i i really like that oh yeah i mean it's the it's the equivalent of you know just the the simplest little things always being like kind of a hiccup um i love in um in recently in x Mm-hmm. Uh, like that one there's that like one spot on the porch that everybody keeps tripping on throughout yeah. the movie yeah. i thought that was so funny <laughs> yeah um because it just keeps getting ridiculous and it's just like nobody remembers or like puts anything over this exactly. like little thing yeah 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 but um and yeah uh, the movie has a nice like little climax and in one thing that i was happy with with the ending um i mean uh, th- did the ending need to go into the the little epilogue with the uh melted slightly melted face reverend that like mm-hmm. has a piece of the blob yeah eh, not really but i mean it is also kind of a fun ending that there's yeah. just like a crazy preacher guy that like has this and could unleash it at any point sure you know when he deems it necessary because like he he like thinks it's like his him inciting the rapture or whatever yeah that is kind of a crazy bleak ending like that this guy just like has that you know ability and like could do this at any point yeah i i was really here for it to be honest like i i thought that that was a really interesting way to kind of turn it on its head that and i do think that it's it's not just like uh oh i'm i'm trying to make mountains out of molehills here in regards to the thematic you know implications but i do think it's interesting that you have these two institutions being the United States government and then the church who are like kind of end up being the villains of this movie and how they're going to weaponize this thing just kind of for their own benefit. Like, I think that that's just really interesting that he's, you know, now has this kind of Southern Baptist kind of, they're just like in a tent. Like, yeah. it's, you know, it's, <laughs> and he's like got this, uh, this, you know, classic, uh, eye patch glasses kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, just looks like an eighties villain, you know, but the fact that he's got just this little, uh, weapon in a jar to where he just, and then they ask like, you know, when is, you know, when is our redemption going to come or when is, you know, when is our salvation here? And he's like, oh, you know, any time now. And it's just, yeah, I just, I thought it, I was really into it. It was kind of eerie. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, I like how at the end, um, one thing between um, co-final girls, Brian mm-hmm. and Meg, mm-hmm. is that they, you know, they form like a bond and a friendship throughout the thing. But I love yeah. that it wasn't anything romantic. Yeah. Like at the end of the movie, they have a they have a wonderful climactic hug. Yeah. They embrace really hard and it's nice. Yeah. Um, I, and it's like, you know, because their banter back and forth throughout the movie is never like flirty. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of feels even more like brother sisterly. And They're like just annoyed kinda, by each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They are very much annoyed by each other, but then they like, you know, go through this experience and respect each other. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad that they like didn't go the typical lazy route of just like, oh, here, let's give them a because I didn't feel like they had romantic chemistry. Yeah. So it's like I like that they did and, like try to force it either and i love that like it's something that i'm getting increasingly kind of annoyed of when in, in some horror movies is the trope of like 
uh, oh, nobody believes you. Like, yeah, that can be kind of nice and terrifying, but I think it's used so much that I love that this movie was just like, yeah, people don't believe them early on, early on. And her mom doesn't believe her. But once they're in the hospital and that dude is melted in half, like things start to get pretty crazy. And like mm-hmm. everybody is like, oh, my God, like things are horrible and we need to take care of this. Like I kind of it was kind of refreshing to see everybody kind of trying to combat this because I don't I think that that's like an unnecessary layer of tension because like I said you have the main thread of the blob but then you also have the United States government you know trying to interfere with things so to also add this kind of no nobody trusts us we're on our own is, is just would be a little bit too much so yeah well I mean I feel like they still had a little bit of that but I feel like just they enough. got to but just I feel enough. like they got to do the best of both worlds because it was um it was not just like we don't believe you and this is but it's of course what's happening it's more of like the um you know we don't know what to believe we don't know we should believe like okay we do believe you but now if we believe you though then we need to believe the government they know what the thing is to do so we should just go ahead and trust them automatically and then it's like so it's like this interesting cycle of you know trust and mistrust which i am totally fine with but it's a different kind of Yes, I, I know what you mean. Versus though. like this thing isn't happening. It's more yes. of like where do our alli- yes. uh, allegiances lie? Like yes. I, I thought that that was an interesting way. To, if you are going to have this kind of who do you trust? Like in that that theme of trust and 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 belief there, which is common in a lot of horror movies. I like that they kind of you know turned it on its head a little bit. Yeah, um, this movie um, it does a lot of the you know it. It doesn't feel subversive in the fact that it's like trying to be because it's not trying to make like any commentary on um, like the monster genre at all. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, playing it um, and doing it to enough, you know, homages to where it's like you recognize, you know, the things, but then still kind of keeping it fresh, though. Yeah, because it still feels like a very classic um, monster movie in that fact but then they do just enough to like kind of switch things up here and there like you said like with the protagonist um with the the where the plots kind of goes and that angle yeah i like like you said i think that there's enough kind of tropes to keep it familiar but they do a really nice job of, of subverting some of those i think the characters are a big part of that as well there's nothing really romantic between them there's even like a an early line where he says like Oh, uh, I've known you for years and you've never said anything. And now just now, like you're starting to kind of pay attention to me. And she's kind of like, dude, I'm trying not to die right now. And like our town is in trouble. I kind of need your help here. You know, so it is kind of this like, well, we're, we're all each other's got. So I think, yeah, you have the subversion of that. And then also, I just think it's nice that you have like this very, very silly 1950s horror movie that's not violent, has really no teeth to it. And then you get something like this that's incredibly gory, mm-hmm. uh, really gross, kind of already inherently kind of adds this this fun little flavor to it that, it, yeah, I think out of the fly and the thing uh, and, and, and then the, the, the this, of course, it is unfortunate that this is by far the one that's least, you know, known by audiences or least seen by audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely think it deserves to be in that in that conversation. And you hear all the time of like, what are the best horror remakes? And the thing and Evil Dead are you know yeah. brought up all the time. Um, but this, uh, I and you know Dawn of the Dead too. Uh, but I think that this is absolutely in the conversation, or at least should be. Oh yeah, this definitely deserves to be in the conversation of best remakes. Um, it goes in the Mount Rushmore of goop. 
along with uh, The Fly, The Thing, and Hellraiser. I think those are the four goopiest movies of the 80s, at least that we've seen so far. Yeah, um, Letterbox just goop. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, what are the goopiest ones? And then uh, Gwyneth Paltrow gives us a cease and desist order. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, w- I did want to say one more thing about Brian, because um, on how you mentioned, like, um, you know, that she was like, you know, let's put differences aside, like, yeah. let's, you know, that we need to survive together. Yeah. And then it's like she she does that, but then he's like still kind of off put by that. And then they kind of still have that like back and forth of like, oh, you only care about yourself. And right. he's like, yeah, I only look out for me because nobody else ever yeah. would and yeah. like all that stuff. Um, but then it's like I like that when he does still, you know, want to help and come back and everything. Mm-hmm. They don't make it because, oh, he's in love with her. Because that's not the case. He's not doing it for her or for Mm -hmm. love or anything. He's doing it because, like, as much as everybody in this town seems to hate this kid, he still cares about his town and the people in it. And, um, you know, that's what ends up being his motivation. So, again, um, I'm a sucker for small town horror whenever, um, you know, that there's this camaraderie. I think it's the Midwest yeah. in both of us, you know, that just like kind of <laughs> gravitates to that, like that camaraderie um, in these type of movies. It yeah. mixes very well with the with the monster aspects. Totally. Yeah. Um, the, again, I was just very surprised on like how violent and how gross these kills were. Totally. Because like, again, you think of the blob. It sounds silly. It yeah. doesn't sound like it's going to be like as much of a threat. And mm-hmm. I love between the movies that we've done, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, the blob is the most simple, like as far as its motivations and the way that it could just decimate yeah. a town, yeah. you know, like Slither, it takes all these different stages and it mm-hmm. takes all these different things sure. and they're easily beaten if you just take out the hive mind, all these, mm-hmm. all those things. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and I don't know. I mean, I still think Calvin would hold, hold his ground against the blob, but I don't know. The blob is pretty formidable and just that it is just, oh, yeah. it's like the, the blob is like the juggernaut. It just like builds up momentum <laughs> and you just like can't stop it. Like, except if you freeze it, apparently. Like, yeah. So it's like the, uh, I like how simple it is and it just, but it feels very, it feels like a threat because yeah. it just is so fast and imposing yeah i think if you were to have like a a, a three-way fight between calvin the, the the little slugs from slither and then the blob i think the blob comes out on top not necessarily because it attacks but it just kind of sits and just like all right come it get me do, yeah you know? like yeah what is calvin gonna do against <laughs> yeah it? because i mean calvin's the same way like he can just sit there and eat and ingest and calvin's more intelligent than the blob totally, is totally yeah but for some reason the blob it just like it, the blob has one move that's and it just that's like, good enough yeah, yeah. It, it melts your bones and eats you that's it <laughs> like so it would be uh it would be interesting but yeah poor poor grant grant slither monster yeah. he yeah. wouldn't stand a chance so i'm curious because this has been a, a running kind of question throughout this month in particular so i wanted to i'm, I'm i want to have an official ranking out of the movies that we talk about this month uh which is the best movie to watch while high because i i will say out of the three that we've reviewed so far being life slither and then now the blob i think the blob is kind of on the the, the top of the throne here i think this is at least for me this is quintessential like high movie watch slither might be a little upsetting it's like it's very dark but it's very funny i think i think 
think even though this movie maybe in tone is a little bit more serious than Slither, I think that this movie is maybe a little bit more fun than Slither is. Slither is just dark to the degree that it's like it almost kind of comes back and becomes funny again. <laughs> uh, See, and and yeah. then life is very kind of very serious and thrilling. And I you mean. Know. I mean, uh, I will say that I like this movie better than Slither, but mm-hmm. I still would might give the edge to Slither on which one I'm going to watch if I'm stoned, just because it is very funny. Yeah. It's not as serious. Mm-hmm. This movie is still fun in its own right, but yeah. it's still, it's in the more adventure thrilling fun. Gotcha. Not the, it's not funny. And like in the, in the deaths are like, sure. The deaths are really cool, but they're also very upsetting and gross. Yeah, totally. Like, if I'm super high, I don't know if that's what I want right now. Like, so it's like in that aspect, like, so I I think I would still, as far as high rankings go, Mm -hmm. it would be Slither the Blob Life currently. Um, but, um, as far as the movie itself and we can, uh, close it out with our ratings. Yeah. Um, what would you give this, um, out of, out of, uh, out of five goops um i am at a crisp four and a half out of five goops um the way i rank movies is not you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm not saying that this is all-time movies uh, uh you know as good as some other nine out of tens there i mean what was this movie trying to achieve and i think that this gets like a crisp nine out of ten or a four and a half out of five whatever you uh whatever the math you, you kind of want to go on there but i think that this movie really does accomplish what i think it's setting out to do um i think it's a lot of fun but isn't I love how, and there's a, a another movie coming up eventually, which I'm not going to mention because uh, I signed a, an NDA saying I wouldn't talk about it. But there's another movie coming up that is kind of a remake of an older movie that is very violent and is trying to have that sense of yeah it's funny but it's gore and it's 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 outlandish. And I think this movie um, strikes a perfect balance of finding humor more in the moment less of characters throwing out jokes mm. finding humor in like the ridiculousness of the gore um i actually really enjoyed the characters of this movie i think its style is really specific i love the way the movie looks uh i had a complete blast at this movie so i'm at a i'm at a good four and a half out of five uh what'd you say splooshes <laughs> goops splooshes yeah we can we can go with splooshes but goops. if your sploosh is pink you should go to the doctor <laughs> you gotta see your doctor about that uh, one. that's not good um <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm at four and a half out of five as well. Um, because yeah, it, it, like you said, it's it's not about it being complex, and you know, it's it's about it, it has it has its premise. Yeah, and it and it shoots it and it hits it with just like such high efficiency. Yeah, that, um, it is a very tight movie. Mm-hmm. The pacing it's is good ninety ex- minutes. Yeah, the the pacing is excellent. Yep. Like the it it ratchets up at the perfect pace. The mm-hmm. way it links its scenes together. The way that it mishmashes the genre, and it is a little more serious. Than I thought it was going to be, and because um, it, it does attempt to have jokes to make it a little bit more live, like you know, to uh, yeah. liven it up a little bit. But um, the jokes just don't hit, so it does feel a little more serious mm-hmm. than I think it actually truly is meant to be. Sure, because I don't think it was meant to be as serious as it kind of is. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's so much fun. Um, it, it's just very thrilling. I, it made me, you know, like have re, you know, audible reactions to the gore. I was, yeah. you know, I could feel it. I love the look of it. 
And then I love our uh, co-final girls. Um, they just, again, worked very well as a team together, but then also had plenty of moments to shine on their own individually. Yeah. And uh, we just don't really have that too often. Um, yeah. We don't really talk about either of these characters much when it comes to, you know, some of the best final girl characters mm-hmm. in films. And um, they are both fantastic. Um, I really love it. Um, the performances were all pretty spot on. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't have that, um, you know, that that um, that special sauce to to make it a 10 <laughs> out of 10 movie. Like, it, but yeah. it is. A, yeah. Very solid. Nine out of 10. Yeah. And still not like a masterpiece by any means or anything. But as far as just like for what it's doing, it yeah. is. It checks all the boxes. Totally. Yeah. I also want to say the poster of this movie. Killer. Fantastic. Really like the poster for this movie. It's simple. Uh, it's it's effective. Uh, it's also kind of gross and eerie. And if you have like that kind of claustrophobic kind of sense to it, it's like I oh, not being able to move. You're entrapped in this goopy pink. Yeah. mess you know yeah it's a lot of fun imagine suffocating and burning like that's just <laughs> terrible like two of the worst and maybe drowning too kind of yeah, drowning yeah that's like the Damn. the worst way to possibly die yeah getting like a chemical burn in your lungs and everything and just yeah no good no good <laughs> all right willem defoe guess away from the blob All right, here on the uh, Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, we like to do a little game to uh, close out our uh, talk here. Uh, It's titled Movie Math. Um, It's pretty simple. We just take a couple of movies, add them together, and all of which to equal the M product that is the movie that we discussed today. So, Devon, looks like you and I both have some actual arithmetic here. We're not just doing addition. I uh, ventured into the foray of uh, multiplication. It looks like you did yeah, as we well. Some, we uh, you have some, some division here. Very interesting. So yeah, uh, what yeah. were some of the movies that you picked today? Yeah, so so the way that my equation goes is um, it would be the mist plus the birds. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which the mist? Which one? Uh, I mean, either one. Either one? Okay. I like them both. Okay. I mean, I like the remake quite a bit. Okay. I was just curious, just for reference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I was thinking the 2007 version. Very good. Very good. Um, Whenever I wrote that. um, Yeah. I was saying 2007 version. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, just in this, um, you know, this kind of unstoppable force type th- feel. And they are both movies that are dealing with just like these like, kind of inexplicable forces um and they also have that small town you know horror vibe to them Mm -hmm. you know people coming together yeah um using the locations you know in very strategic ways and effective ways Mm -hmm. of like really giving the land of these towns and kind of using that in either one um so i would say both of those movies um you know the birds we got some hitchcock in there of course Mm -hmm. um like you said and then, so I divided that by attack the block. So like, yeah, I'm really oh, the while I'm dividing. I'm really only taking like a very specific part of that movie mm-hmm. because I mean they that also is an alien invasion movie was a candidate to be on the show. Yeah, um, which you know I'm sure we'll get to at some other point. Yeah. But the the very uh, specific point that I take from it that I attribute to this movie, <laughs> like I said, is um with Brian's character of. Um, the punk kind of getting his redemption mm-hmm. of getting to, you know, prove everybody wrong that like, yeah. okay, I'm not just a complete piece of shit. Like, yeah. you know, I'm trying to help, you know, save the day. And he is like absolutely fearless. Yeah. 
And uh, that's how I feel whenever I watch Attack the Block, like that moment at the end, whenever the boys like kind of like well, hold on, own. hold on here. I, I'm not to not to spoil or rain on your parade. I just don't want you to spoil it because Attack the Block is one of the movies that oh, I tell people I haven't seen, and they're you like, haven't "Dude, seen you it. haven't seen Attack okay. the Block?" Uh, but it's been on my list for like a depressingly long amount of yeah. time. So, yeah. and, uh, and I'm not spoiling it. Like I said, it's just there's this moment where it's just like because in Attack the Block, the the main character of kids are these like group of hooligans. Like okay. they're like kind of like the little street hooligans. Gotcha. Um, not quite. They're not like you know quite criminals or anything. They're right. like you know middle schoolers, gotcha. but like they're the the street hooligans. Nobody really likes yeah. them. Gotcha. And they get to be the heroes. Cool, cool. And uh, that's like the the part that I really take from that movie that I would attribute to this one. So yeah, yeah. Attack the Block is definitely one of those movies that's up there it's as really far as good. I know, and I I, I really, really want to see it. I'm a big fan of John Boyega. Whenever I tell people I haven't seen it, they're like, "Oh man, you got to watch it." And it's funny. My roommate owns it on Blu-ray. I could kind of watch it anytime. I just need to prioritize that been meaning to watch it for years so definitely uh i'm looking forward to checking that out now yeah, that would have been a, a great movie to talk about this month uh, as far as the movies that i have um i took et mostly the kind of the government angle small town portion of et mm-hmm. uh yeah something crashes on earth but very different of course <laughs> of how it kind of uh, uh impacts the small town uh i also chose the stuff uh for also similar reasons goopy thing that attacks a, a, a small town and kind of how uh everybody uh, reacts to that the stuff also kind of kills you in similar ways you know it's kind of this body morphine melt face melting kind of uh, substance there uh and then i multiplied that mostly based on aesthetics of uh them the 1954 film which is just about big spiders <laughs> uh yeah. kind of uh, attacking there and it is kind of that that weird pocket in 1950s horror where it was like everything was giant it was just out a, to get you. yeah it was just a big uh, well, the scary thing is just really big that's why uh, just a big spider a big blob a big woman even uh the attack of the 50 foot woman so uh yeah to uh, get kind of the aesthetics and that sensibilities of that 1950s b horror kind of pulpy movies there uh which i think uh kind of has the unique flavor of a movie uh like uh, the blob here do you, do you think that the blob would you consider it a B style movie? Would you consider it a B movie? Um, I don't think I would. Um, I don't. I mean, because I don't think this movie is like trying to skimp on in any department. No, and I feel like they are trying to make like a a good movie. Yeah, I I think it is kind of like a. Uh, you know, uh, I think the roots are there of a B movie. Yeah. Because the threat is kind of goofy. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of silly. Yeah. It's kind of simple. Uh, but like The Fly, you know, which is like a it's 1950s B movie. And they made it a little more serious. Takes it in a very yeah. serious, tragic direction to where I know lots of people who watch The Fly and they cry because oh, it's yeah. very I'm upsetting. One of, I'm one know? of those people. <laughs> yeah, because it's very sad, you know. So I think, yeah, the, the roots are there. The ingredients are there. It's kind of like on YouTube, people are like, oh, I'm going to make my own version of a big mac at home and it's like a d- delicious like meal it's kind of like that mm-hmm. where the the roots are this kind of simple kind of silly little mm-hmm. thing but you put it in the right hands which i think are, is definitely the case with this movie and you actually get something that's kind of a uh, uh, substantive and worthwhile here that is a very niche corner of uh, of tiktok <laughs> right now but i know exactly what you're talking about yes yeah. let me make fast food stuff at home okay. yeah yeah that's interesting i'm that's, here for it yeah. that's that's great um but yeah um very good time talking about a uh, first for both of us and uh, yeah. i don't know about you but next week will be a first for me oh not for me love this one okay yeah, the, i really
really excited that uh, somebody, our guest, uh, picked this uh, because this is a, a great alien movie. And to be honest, if I didn't pick The Blob, which we talked about today, I probably would have picked this one because uh, I really, really like this movie. Um, I might. Um, yeah, I need to rewatch this because it's been probably two or three years since I've seen it. Um, but I might also watch the original, too, because I think it's interesting to kind of compare them, you know, because. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, yeah. I, I did not. I did not watch the the original blob before this one i only watched this one and um but but the our guest proposed either version interesting he proposed either version and but he had the 70s one listed first and and i just also like movies from the 70s it has a really great cast yeah yeah i would say it's the the more well-known one okay um so but i'll 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 do the heavy lifting i'll watch both of them because uh which is not not going to be a chore either because i I like both movies but i I do prefer the 70s one great donald sutherland role too oh i don't know if i actually said it invasion of the body snatchers I think we talked. Did, did I? Did, did we? I, don't I don't think know. I actually said the name. I don't think uh, I actually said the name. I think we were just kept talking about just it riffing. vaguely. Yeah, just riffing enough to where maybe people actually connected the dots. But yes, the 1978 film uh, Invasion of the Body Snatcher, which uh, uh, like The Blob is a remake of a 1950s movie, uh, 1950s sci-fi movie. Uh, yeah, I would also be interested to talk uh, in, in in that episode because uh, we are nearing the end here. It'd be kind of a heavy topic to unpack but kind of the weird fascination that the 50s had with sci-fi stuff and mm-hmm. like why aliens were kind of on uh, on the nation's mind there and kind of the historical impact yeah. of that because uh, there's a very clear answer to what you can point to and be like why were we afraid of outsiders coming in and hiding among us oh it's because of this so very excited uh, to dive on into that yeah, it'll be an interesting uh, cap on our Alien Month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be joined by a guest next week. You'll also learn uh, what the um, theme for May is. Mm-hmm. And uh, hey, this uh, episode is uh, coming out the day before 420. This is our 420 episode. It's so. our celebration. Will I actually smoke on that episode? Let's find out. Blaze Let's it find up. out. <laughs> oh, well, no. Technically, this one is. Oh, this is technically oh, well, we, this one. We is. missed the boat. Quick, give, miss quick the, give me the bong. <laughs> we did miss the boat. I, I was blown in your face. So you got enough. Just, just, just enough there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So if you if you're uh, blazing it, you know, you should blaze it and listen to more episodes of this podcast. Tell yeah. a friend about it. If, uh, if you have a friend that likes weird movies, likes weird horror movies and um, you should tell us about it. Uh, yeah. You should also go on Apple podcast and uh, rate us five stars write us a review yeah that would be nice write a review we'll uh, read it here on the show we will we will totally read it so yeah please do that and subscribe do all the things yeah and uh garrett what are you working on right now um, if you're interested in more uh, genre podcasty kind of stuff, uh, you can find me at the Scum and Villainy podcast talking about Star Wars stuff, new episodes every Wednesday. Uh, but if you're just interested in general kind of movie talk, uh, Twitter, uh, YouTube, Letterboxd, all that kind of good stuff, uh, Garrett McDowell. Got a couple of new reviews coming out this week. We'll be talking about uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh, very pumped to talk about that. And then uh, maybe some other stuff coming soon. So, yeah, lots of stuff happening. What about you? This um, Our podcast is severely lacking Nick Cage movies. We need to get Cage some Nick movies? Cage movies. There's some good ones out I there. We, I don't think we've talked about any. Oh Well, I've talked about Vampire's Kiss. I did a solo episode talking. <laughs> Just uh, you. Just you and I, the dog. <laughs> no, I used to I used to do episodes like that. Yeah. I uh, um early on in the episode, I think we I stopped doing that like around like episode like forty. Yeah, I would um kind of alternate.
alternate between having a guest or yeah, doing so. Yeah, it was, it was kind of funny after the movie last night. Uh, I don't know about you. I'm a credits guy. I sit through the credits. Yeah, a lot, oh, of, pe- yeah, a lot of people worked on the movie, and I want to give them their due. And uh, the uh, there's a couple guys next to me, and they were just like talking about they're like, oh, it kind of got me in the mood to rewatch some old Nick Cage stuff. And I, I will say that was true with me because I was watching that and I was like, oh, there's a couple of blind spots for me. Um, but they were uh, talking about some of his movies and giving their opinion on them. And I just wanted to like kind of moral combat style, just like challenge them to a fight because they were like talking smack about pig, which I ad- no, 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 no. fucking adore. No, 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 and I was no. like, no pig slander here. No pig slander. <laughs> <Not laughs> that um, fucking movie rules. That fucking does. Uh, but yes, I would love to have an entire nick cage month a year a season a decade we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out we're gonna work some nick cage in there because because yes. i did that episode and it was vampires kiss and american psycho oh. and i've wanted to redo american psycho like uh, well, give it a full proper episode by itself at some point you know well i am the the man to have on that because i also adore i that know movie, you do so. um yes I, there's a month we can slip it in there we could probably we could probably just we'll just do an entire month of just douchey men we'll do that next year for women's history month <laughs> just douchey of, men of, 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 <laughs> fuck these men fuck these uh, uh these uh, uh toxic weird <laughs> douchebag men <laughs> oh yeah um what am i working on um same old same old stuff um you can find me on a few episodes here and there on the pod and pendulum podcast just wrapped up chucky could be talking texas chainsaw massacre movies here pretty soon um if you do want to hear me talk a really fun nick cage movie um there's a podcast uh called caged in mm-hmm. and this man covered the entire filmography of nick cage he has done so already um over the past couple of years oh cool he has covered every single nick cage movie nice. in order uh, now he also does coppola movies since Very you know, nice. now he's expanded the coppola family tree hell yeah um but he's a big nick cage guy and uh but we talked um nick cage's movie kill chain Okay. Which came out like a couple of years ago. I haven't checked that one out. It's a, it, it was like kind of like an under the radar one. And like, you'd think it's um, kind of one of the, I mean, it's kind of a B movie, but it's a, it's a really fun neo-noir. Dope. Sl- almost anthology it's like one of those anthologies but it takes place like all in the same night like and it's all in the same setting cool ish yeah um it's it's really fun i'm just looking at some of these nicholas cage movies and i'm just saying we could talk about the wicker man oh there's a i mean there's a bunch we could fucking talk about the wicker man no there is a bunch of stuff to choose from but specifically we could talk about the wicker man (laughs) we'll see we'll see where it uh fits in um, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore daddy disco. Plenty of Nick Cage gushing over on those parts. But that will do it for this week's episode of the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday, so make sure you're subscribed and do not miss an episode. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bloody Blunts Pod. And until next time, guys, stay lifted.